0: Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast.
1: And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft... The Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League. Connor Bedard. That is Come on! Come on! Hey, hey you want to play some hockey? Kelly O'Shea,
0: Toronto. Score, Chicago! Oh my. Oh. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And really quickly at the top, I need to apologize to everyone. We had some technical difficulties in the last few weeks. We recorded an episode that was posted at our website December 6th, and it went out to some podcast platforms. Apparently there was some technical glitch involved that was out of our hands and we couldn't do anything about. Um, And then I guess the podcast made its way to Apple Podcasts on December 13th which is a week after it was recorded. So some of that stuff may have been out of date. And then, uh, uh, we didn't have an episode last week because of those technical difficulties, so, and I know roughly 80% of our audience based off the metrics I've been shown uh, are on Apple Podcasts, so I apologize if you got that episode a week late. Uh, hopefully that won't happen this time around, because this episode is recorded before Christmas, and uh, just as a heads up, this will be our last episode of 2023, so hopefully it's in everybody's airways prior to Christmas or soon after uh, as as we're recording this tonight, and it's relevant to all the things we're going to be discussing this evening. Um, so we apologize for that, but uh, we'll be back uh, after taking next week off. Like hopefully everyone else's because it's that week between Christmas and New Year's when nobody should do anything really. Uh, and then we'll be back in 2024 with a new episode talking about whatever it is. The Blackhawks are up to then, um, you know, all the usual stuff with secondcityhockey.com is the place for all our content. That's where the Bedard tier and the Crawford tiers are for additional exclusive content with uh prospect reports and all that good stuff. That's also where our, we'll Game re- reviews or previews and recaps are all over there along with the game threads where you can come talk about the game with other Second City Hockey community members. And then uh, the other thing you can do if you want to support this entire outlet is leave a five-star review wherever it is you are listening to it. And again, hopefully this podcast makes it to you as quickly as possible. Um, we were a little shorthanded tonight. I'm going to bring in my two line mates so we can get in to everything else up first. Uh, she is not on Twitter, but she's at SecondCityHockey.com under the name LBR, and she is the Second City Hockey and Wall of Text. It's Betsy.
2: Um, we talked about this ahead, but um, if I'm a little low energy today, it's because I'm getting over a stomach bug. Um, I don't understand people with children. They are walking <laughs> like time bombs for diseases. <laughs> like, stop having them. Like, like, I don't know how to stop... Make them wash their hands more or something. I don't, under, don't know what's happening. But, yeah, children did this to me.
0: I know it. <laughs> so, I think it was uh, the game on Tuesday night. Like, Phil Kuryshev was at the morning skate on the top line with Bedard and Reichel. And then we got to the game and the pregame skate. Uh, and Kuryshev noticeably wasn't on the ice. So, maybe he's got the same stomach bug you did. Because maybe, have like you been hanging out with children. Phil Kuryshev? Is that what's going on? i shook his hand and
2: he's the child i'm talking
0: about (laughs) maybe well he's yeah he's he's like 23 24 he's older than a few of the other guys on the team he's a baby yeah relatively speaking yes they all seems like they all are um also with us this evening uh he is on twitter at eric geg and he is the official second city hockey pizza correspondent it's eric Egenheimer.
1: Blackhawks just had like their family holiday party the other night and all the kids were there. So maybe the kids got Khrushchev too, Betsy.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. They're
2: like little plague carriers. Like
1: As, as the one with children, I can absolutely agree with everything you have to say. Whenever you first start taking them to like either any type of daycare or school or whatever, it's just like months of hell at first because they've never been exposed to anything before. So Every single thing they're exposed to, it's coming home, it's getting them sick. No bueno, no fun.
2: My nephew came home last week and imme- immediately was throwing up. And I was like, I'm going to need you to like not come anywhere near me. And then he didn't have a fever or anything like that. So we were thinking maybe he actually just had food poisoning. And no, less than two days later, I'm throwing up. I'm like, I hate everything about this. Why do schools exist if they're just going to be... <laughs> Where sicknesses live and breed amongst these unclean, heathen, small people. Like, I don't. Understand.
0: So um, so are, are we going to go ahead and blame Nick Foligno for this then? Because Nick Felino, I believe, is the only one on the team with multiple children. So I'm guessing it's Foligno kids who got Nigher sick Probability. <laughs> and there was there was a video going around of uh, Foligno's kids skating with Bedard at something. So uh, so kind of Bedard misses a game because he's sick. Then we could definitely trace it back to Nick Foligno. It's hilarious
1: cuz Bedard's like chasing him around the ice and like tapping him like you know playing defense or whatever and it's the one video I saw I to me this is what happens in my head I you know this is all speculation but it looks like they cut it right before he like makes the kid wipe out like he's it's it's just oh Kids falling is kind you know, when you have your own kids, you're allowed to laugh at it. It's, it's never not
0: funny. That's a direct quote from letter Kenny. I think of, uh, I can watch kids fall down all fucking day. I don't give a fuck about your fucking kids. Something there like you that. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so w- with all that, uh, all the introductions aside, uh, I, I, the main thing we wanted to do tonight, uh, we're coming to you recording Wednesday evening. So again, hopefully this all makes it to everyone's airwaves on Thursday. Uh, but on Tuesday night, the Blackhawks play the Avalanche at home. Really, just a good, fun, entertaining game, and the Hawks won, which makes it all good. Uh, makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, it was a pretty packed house at the United Center. I think there was it was a sellout, um, and good energy in the crowd. Is just it was you know the term playoff like atmosphere always gets bandied about for situations like that. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but it was definitely a lot more lively than the United center has been for the last several seasons. And uh, I was in the building. Eric was sitting alongside me. So Eric, I just wanted to throw it to you first and just, uh, just kind of basket this moment a little bit of, there's been some doom and gloom for about uh, the last two or three weeks around this team. So how nice was it to just have a good, fun, enjoyable evening of Blackhawks hockey?
1: They broke the abs, man. Yes. Oh, yeah. D- D- that too. D-
0: Devon Taines is
1: furious. Yeah. He, he went off in the locker room. Like they, they got, they stuck it to him. Um, yeah. no, I mean, it, it really was, it was a really fun, entertaining game, you know, back and forth, um, the whole time, obviously Bedard did lots of Bedard things, some of which we've seen, some of which we're still getting used to. Um, <clears throat> I think everybody was super, super happy for Reichel. Yeah. Not only for the goal, of course, um, but it seemed to kind of supercharge him a little bit. And he had quite a few other really nice plays and looks, some back checks, Um, Carrying the pucks, some really nice zone entries. So it just looked like you could kind of almost see the confidence coming out of him. And then I think the the other thing, Donato had a pretty good game too. Mm. Um, I think Isaac Phillips had a really really good game, and he was out there with Murphy a lot against Colorado's top line.
0: Yeah, that and and Nathan McKinnon's been setting the world on fire, and I think he got an assist, but he he was held in check more than he's been in the last uh, three weeks or so.
1: Yes. Uh, the, he, I think he had four points against the Sharks the other night in like the last 10 minutes of his ice time. Like he was just like, oh, OK, I better take this game over now. Um, but then I'm well, speaking of McKinnon, you know, Blackwell was the other kind of nice story. And he had a really big check on McKinnon at the end that kind of mm-hmm. helped, uh, mm-hmm. you know, s- seal the victory a little bit. Everybody was talking about that after the game, including Blackwell. Um, but no, I mean, it's, we were sitting there, we watched the United center, you know, fill up and the crowd was definitely ready to go, especially everybody in front of us. There's a large group of children, um, one of which was wearing a Dominic Hasik yes. Blackhawks jersey yes. for some reason.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I definitely mean, a, definitely a parent's jersey. There's no way that kid even that kid may not even know who Dominic Hasek is. But whatever. No,
1: it looked it looked brand new. They had kind of an odd collection of jerseys going on. It was like a group of like ten bros, um, <laughs> but they were into it. Everybody was into it. It was just a really fun, good back and forth game. And especially after you know the the couple that they've kind of had before. Although Vancouver was pretty good too. Um, you know they're still pretty depleted. So mm-hmm. for them to come out, I think it's kind of, a you know, all right, like get in there, everybody, you know, put the work in, get after it, especially after the way Colorado kind of embarrassed them the first game around. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was really just a fun, entertaining, good game to see. And I don't know how many of those we'll get this year. Um, so, you know, I hope everyone who got the chance to either go or watch it in person, like enjoyed it. Cause yeah, it, it might be a couple of minutes before we get another one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, Betsy, uh, you weren't there, but you did the recap. And so I know you were watching intently. Uh, what was your reaction to everything from that game?
2: Well, first, selfishly, I'm on a two game show. Oh, hey, yeah. Start the parade. I know. <laughs> the Hawks did it first. And then I came in with my double <laughs> two wins in a row for me on the recap. Um, so that's exciting. So I immediately was like, th- so I will say, so when they first went out and they announced that Khrushchev was sick, I was like, you know what? The universe hates us specifically Blackhawks <laughs> at this moment. Um, because that's Seth Jones, Kevin Krasinski, Athena CU, Hall, which are the big ones. And then the supporting cast of Tenorti and Anderson um, being out. Like, I, I don't think you really miss Tenorti that much, if at all. Mm -hmm. And I actually think Joey Anderson has been pretty good, but he is another of multiples on the team. You know, there's like six of him. So Khrushchev is one of the bright spots. He's having a career year. And then he goes down with sickness and you're just like really against the abs when they've lost four, like, come on, can you not do this? (laughs) And it was exciting to see that the team rallied around that, that, that they like, like Eric said, they, Blackwell stepped in and did very well. Donato did extremely well um, in his role on the first line. He still cannot really receive Bedard's <laughs> passes that well, yeah, yeah. but he is better at getting the puck to those players. He's better at finding empty space that he knows where those players are going to be that he attributed that one, his little flick pass back to Bedard on the Reichel goal as luck. Um, and I was like, "Well, yeah. you make that type of luck. You yeah. not everybody can play and know that that type of player is going to make it into that spot exactly where you're going to place that puck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give yourself a little credit there, Donato. I'm giving you credit, and, yeah. <laughs> and like, well, I am like, I think he's a good player. I just, you know, it's hard to play with guys like Bedard.
0: Yeah, and, I like, and, and really yeah. quickly, like we." we asked him about that play during the media session after the game. Cause it seemed like the, the way that came about, like Rus was standing behind the net for so long, it, it felt like they either had to see something on film or it talked about something on the bench to set that play up uh, that, uh, you know, with uh, Donato going to the boards and Rus hitting him with the pass. And he, like, he kind of just brushes aside, like, Oh, it was luck. But like, that was, that was a really good, well-organized breakout. And it, it turned into a goal very quickly. It looked really nice from up above, I'll tell you that.
2: They should start incorporating those yeah. lucky plays more often. Right, um, yeah. Intentionalize yeah. those, please. Um, so, and then, yeah, Blackwell. I I really like, so Richardson isn't afraid to change things up in a game, like who he's matching lines against. He was, la- he, he was more hesitant about that last year, which – I can understand, you know, you're trying to figure it out. He line Mm -hmm. shuffles more and that kind of stuff, which people complain about. And there's arguments for both sides, right? But he does do some really good tweaks mid-game. One of the ones that you guys asked about in the power play. But one of the things that he did ahead of time was he made sure Bedard wasn't matched against McKinnon. Which Mm -hmm. Bedard gets the top lines most of the time. And he handles himself usually very well. His line is usually the one that's the only one that can do anything of with anything, right? Um, but sometimes you just don't match up well against somebody. Uh, what The Anaheim series where Taves just doesn't match up against... Um, was it Kessler? Yeah, it was yeah, K- Kessler. Kessler. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Kessler just had Taves' numbers, so Q yeah. switches it up, puts him against Gessler laugh and Chaves owns him, right? And yeah. the series is completely different in those last however many games, right? Um, that just happens sometimes. So you get him away from that, and Bedard, the Avs aren't scrubs the rest of the way through, and he was playing mostly against the second and third lines, um, and he destroyed them. You know, like, he went against what is a good team, maybe not, like, the best on the Avs, and destroyed them. So that's good to see. Um so I like, I like all those little things that happen. This wasn't, like, just good effort. This was smart coaching, yes. a little bit of luck, um, players finally getting re- – like, this isn't a good team. These aren't <laughs> high-quality players assembled together, and they're very hurt. Um, but I, I've had, like, an issue with people saying that they're not trying hard. I think they're always trying pretty hard. They're just <laughs> – not good and sometimes that comes across as well they're so far behind the plate yeah that's because they're not as fast as the other team and and yeah well they keep missing passes or the puck keeps getting stripped from them it's like yeah because they're not the best puck handler you know like
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're low quality uh there are yeah there are things that are like just skill related that makes them look slow but it's really just like you know they're not you can't have a team full of nathan mckinnon's yeah. <laughs> or a team full of counter as yeah, nice dude, as it would be.
2: Like, nine out of the 12 forwards are fourth liners on um, a <laughs> good team, right? Yeah. Like, Amassment yeah. right now. Um, when everybody's healthy, at least it's a little bit more balanced. They're still not good, but they're a little bit more balanced. So it's nice that they're getting rewarded. Um, n- not just for them, our sanity for them, everybody all around. It's good. It's good morale. The The Blackhawks need to get another top-round pick, but they don't have to be, like, historically bad to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They'll have to beat, like, the Avs, like, terrible run and whenever it was, when, when they got Makar. Uh, yeah, they had that 48-point season. Yeah. We don't mm-hmm. have to do that, okay? No. We, yeah. <laughs> as long as we, I think, honestly, as long as we finish bottom two, that's fine. That way they at least pick top four.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I think the one the one storyline from the game that I just uh, just like kind of oblivious to, like I knew Colin Blackwell was coming back into the lineup. I didn't realize it had been almost a full calendar year since he had played a game. And like it's, it's not a name you think about a lot because Blackwell – is, you know, he's probably just here more of as a stopgap player. And when this team is good again, he's probably not around. And because he's been gone for so long, he hasn't really, you know, I don't think I can think of a single Colin Blackwell moment that's happened. But, um, and again, like, this is where that, that line between, you know, things that hockey players say and whether or not it actually means anything. Um, but there was like a few guys who said that, that having him back in the room, like, uh, I think Richardson mentioned like Blackwell was, uh, chirping on the bench from the opening uh, draw and that's something about his presence in the lineup just kind of perked up the team a little bit so um like that was that was another nice story a nice part of the game last night that uh, was kind of fun but yeah it's just it's i i think when you have a better quality team like like Colorado has. Like the nights like the Blackhawks had last night where everything comes together, when you have higher skill players, that happens more often. And, and since the Blackhawks do not, those the nights uh the game like the one against Colorado are few and far between when those plays, you know, it'd have been very easily for that pass from Roos to Donato to uh, not bounce to Bedard or, or hit his Colorado stick on the way and have a counter the other way instead of a Chicago goal. Or uh, the the zone entry on the power play that Bedard had right before the goal, uh, the game winning goal by Johnson. Like maybe something could have gone wrong there, but for one night it all came together and it was nice and it was fun. And uh, I, as Eric said, like, I hope you all enjoyed it. Cause you may not get another one for several weeks.
1: Well, even there was a couple other plays that didn't result in goals. There's one Reichel had like this backhand pass to Bedard. That oh, went yeah. To, like two defenders. And yeah, there was a couple of things like that where they got some breaks that they really haven't gotten typically this season. Um, And whether that is because they were just kind of on it last night or Colorado was off it last night or some combination of both of those things. But it was just, it was a really entertaining game and a really entertaining brand of hockey to watch. And it just, it seemed like they were kind of attacking all night and there's been games where it's felt like that's kind of been lacking. So you know, Blackwell is an energy guy and they have lots of energy guys, yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes you see these weird games like that where they're missing so many players that guys who don't normally get put into roles, like Isaac Phillips has not been, you know, the top defender on a team before. So, all of a sudden, they're like, mm. hey, this y- you tonight, you got to go against Ratnan and you got to go against McKinnon and Nishushkin. And like, that's your job? And like, guys get up for that stuff. So, you know, a a little bit here, a little bit there, all of a sudden you have a couple good plays. And then that, like that sets the tone for the game. That's really what it felt like. The tone got set and they just kind of went back and forth with Colorado and it never really broke from that for the the entire evening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it it was, you know, it seems like ever, anything that had gone wrong for a while kind of went right in that game. And, uh, like another side of the coin that, hasn't happened a lot with the team this season. I think ultimately Colorado ended up on the positive side of all the uh possession metrics because uh they were pushing for that late goal, but outside of that third period which is kind of a score effects thing, uh the first 40 minutes the Hawks kind of I won't say owned the play, but had a better share of the quality and quantity of chances at 5 on 5. Uh, which is something that's been extremely rare. And, you know, I don't care that Colorado didn't have Kale McCarr, because do you want to see the Blackhawks <laughs> list of injured players? Um, so I have like that that was another nice thing that the Blackhawks, it wasn't like some fluky game where Morazzick makes sixty saves and they win two to one because their goalie stands on his head. It's like the the skaters in front of but uh Marazic played had a solid game as well. Uh so that that was encouraging to see. It was a good team game. Yeah. Like the the team
1: played well. Mrazic played well. And, you know, Connor Bedard was the difference in the game, but the team played well behind him. And I think like ultimately that's what we all hope to see in the not too distant future here is that he has like a good supporting cast around him and the goalie plays well and the defense plays well. And that gives him the space and the time to be able to go out there and be effective and do these things that very few other people on planet earth can do.
0: Yeah, Exactly. I know Betsy, did you have any other thoughts on that game from Tuesday night before uh, I I wanted to come back to the Reichel thing in a second?
2: Oh, I was, my my thing was the Reichel thing.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well go right ahead then. Because it was, that was the thing Eric mentioned with that backhand pass from Reichel. I was like across the entire ice to Bedard, like a backhand saucer pass. Like it looked like he was feeling it in a way that he has not felt in weeks, if not in months. And it was, it was refreshing to see that. And I hope, that is the that is a contagious thing that I hope stays with him for a long time.
2: Yeah, so I, I get into debates with people in the comments, right, on certain things, and Reichel and Soderblom are the two that I debate right now because my whole thing is they don't really, especially Reichel, doesn't have anything else to learn in the AHL because there's people that are like sitting him back down. It was like, mm-hmm. what's he going to learn? He's already mastered being better than players down there. He may—I don't know if he's gonna be like—we can't see the future. You got to hope that he's gonna be a real legit NHL player. Um, but he's already proven that he's the—he can be the cream of the crop in the AHL. He has to learn what he can and cannot do at NHL mm-hmm. speed. Yeah. And so far, this season has not been great for him. Not—I—I'm not even. I'm not even blaming the whole thing on the roster other than the fact that I don't think he's other than the brief moments that he's had with, he had like a couple of games with Athena CU that looked really good, but then Athena CU got dropped back down to the fourth line for some reason. And he had some with Kurashev and he's had some with Bedard. And this is the first game that it's like really clicked. Um, but this, again, this team is not built to support like with the with the injury to Hall, especially this team was not built to support two prospects. I don't think they they focus a little too much on putting players around Bedard, and there just wasn't enough to insulate Reichel. Um, and with the injuries, that's even less so. So the only thing you can do with Reichel is let him play through it. There's mm-hmm. lots of kids that like uh, the young players that come in and don't do well their first season. Some of them end up doing great later. Some of them never, it never really clicks for them. The Blackhawks fans are very, um, we have, we we bring up this all the time. We have PTSD with past <laughs> players, right? So there are some people that are seeing like Nylander, right? They're seeing Nylander the Younger.
0: Um, uh, the bad Nylander, not, not Wooly Nylander, Alex Nylander.
2: Yeah. So they're seeing players like that. You could also, though, say, "Are are you seeing Schmaltz? Are you seeing you know Caravina?" We've had this conversation before. He plays similar to the lead to them, um, except he has less people to play with. Uh, so yeah, just let him work through his kinks. Uh, if they had pulled him after that, he like two games ago, he had a really bad game. What if they had pulled him? We never would have had this game, right? Like, what if they had sat him? So just let him play through it. Let him play through it with the best line mates that you can give him. Um which is as isn't much-,
0: much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Try your best. Support them as much as you can and like just let it be on the ice. This is the transition season. It doesn't have to be about wins. It doesn't have to be about pretty. Um it doesn't even have to be about like they're gonna be the best product that they are. They just need to like hopefully improve by the end of the season. And then next year if he's still having problems, then you can start to worry. But I I I keep wanting to say, suck it up. (laughs) 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 There was this whole debate again, right before like all everybody, there were so many that were like, tear it down. We need to like start from the bottom up. And I was like, Black Hawk fans are not ready for this. We have become too spoiled over the last decade of good hockey um, during the cup years and like leading up to it, the hype. And then a couple years after it, where, they were still competitive, even if they didn't go very far. Until the until the Nashville sweep, we were very very spoiled. Yeah, and I was like, they're not gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be terrible for people that are so impatient. They're going to expect Patrick Keynes immediately. And now, obviously, Bedard got dropped like a beautiful gift, <laughs> and he's immediately <be> really good. <laughs> but not everybody's gonna be Bedard. So just be patient with these kids. It may not happen, but the worst that is going to come of this is that he he took a roster spot during a transition season. At least it's going to somebody who could have potential. And what are you going to do? The other nine fourth liners? Like, come on, let them play.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like there was, uh, there's among some, some of the older fans in the fan base, there was like, uh, this, um, I mean, I don't gatekeeping is the right word for it, but the people who were like there in the mid-aughts when the team was God awful. And the, the thought was that the, uh the team was going to be built around the ABC line of artists and Bell and Calder and, and all of those guys like flamed out two or three years after, you know, they, most of them I don't even think were in the league by the end of the 2010s or by end of the two thousands, I should say. Um But if, So for the people that didn't get to experience what that era of black box hockey was like prior to the uh, the highs of the 2010s. And, you know, you're getting this is a pretty good representation of how dismal everything was before it got so good so fast. Um, So if, if you wanted to experience what it was like. And, and why so many fans had turned off the Hawks at, at that time, 20 years ago, God, 20 years ago now. Um, but like this, this is what it was like minus Connor Bedard uh, and probably even minus Lucas Reichel. Like there was really not much of anything going on for that team for several years. Um, but going back to the thing you said about Lucas Reichel, Betsy, I think I can't remember if Richardson said it about Reichel or if it was about uh soda or about both, but he, uh, he's made the point like, like we, we're gonna have these guys stay up here and let them learn learn from their mistakes. They're, like it sounded like he is totally on board with the idea of just leaving these guys in the lineup and letting them play. Like Soda Blue may not get 50 starts this season, but he's also gonna get more than 15. And I think with Reichel, like they do have, like yeah, he was a healthy scratch and they've um they put him down on the fourth line for a while, and I think that was more because there were little things that Reichel wasn't doing. And I think that was a message from the coach of like, um, you know, you can't really demote a goalie. You know, there's only one position there with the skater. Like you can take away their minutes if they're not doing little things. Um, it's one thing to make mistakes. It's one thing to pay me, not give effort. And I think the effort part of the thing is what uh, Richardson was taking umbrage with, with what Reichel was doing on the ice. Um, and now he's back from the top line, and hopefully he's getting more – we'll get more power play time as the season goes on. And just hopefully there's more good things waiting because that's a uh, – I think we've all beaten this drum before, and we'll do it again. Like Connor Bedard's here, which is great, but one player a team does not make, and the Edmonton Oilers are obviously the case study there because they have – Two of the best players in the world, and they ain't won shit yet. So uh, they need a lot more than just Connor Bedard if this whole thing's going to work out. Maybe it's Reichel, maybe it's Kurushev, maybe it's other guys too, but uh, they need a lot of help. So hopefully uh, there's more good to come from Lucas Reichel down the road. Um, but I don't think there's anything else uh, related to all that. I had a few other Blackhawks topics we wanted to get to. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to gather our thoughts and we're going to come back and talk about that on the other side of this break. Welcome back to musings on Madison. And, uh, as promised before the break, there was a few other Hawks related things we wanted to get to quickly. Um, one of them, Eric had mentioned it, and I haven't paid as much attention to trade chatter or anything yet. I'm sure we'll get there come February and March as the trade deadline starts to approach. But, uh, the the one name that Erica uh, mentioned, and uh, Eric, I'll let you uh, reveal the name to everybody. But um, I don't think it's too much of a surprise that his name has come up. And I'm I'm just uh, we're gonna let you take the floor and see where it goes. So uh, go ahead, Eric, because I'm rambling already.
1: Well, the, the big <clears throat> excuse me, the big trade board that I've seen so far is on the athletic one, where they're kind of ranking guys going back and forth. Which, by the way, number one is Lys Lindholm. Um, oh, but hey. that guy. Yeah, um, your buddy, Ty, Tyler Johnson is the only Blackhawk that's currently on there. And I think he's like 18th or 19th or something. Um, but I've heard a couple things the last few days. Um, it seems like the talk about Peter Morazic is picking up a little bit. And I was actually kind of curious, um, when Carolina put Ranta on waivers the other day, um, and you know, they, they needed a lot of goalie help. And Morazic had a really good stretch in Carolina, but, everything I've seen about Carolina, they're talking about, they're not, I haven't seen his name mentioned, but all of a sudden I've seen it in connection to New Jersey, um, and even Colorado a little bit, but it's interesting. I think I'm of the camp now. I think, I think Felino is going to be extended at some point as soon as they can announce it. I wouldn't be surprised if Dickinson also is as well, although he's looking like he could be a pretty valuable, um, trade chip with the way that he's playing, especially for a team that might need like a shutdown third line kind of guy that can give you some points in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I, I think everybody's been pretty impressed with Morazic this year and with the fact that Soderblom hasn't really taken off the way that any of us had hoped. There's even been some talk, you know, locally from the B guys about, it might be worth it to extend Morassic for a year or two, uh, to kind of help, you know, keep the bridge going until, you know, Soderblom or Comesso or whoever's ready to kind of take the charge and get a bunch of starts. So, I mean, that, that's just, it's interesting to me. So it's kind of two different schools of thought. So I'm curious, you know, what both of your thoughts are on that.
0: Betsy, I'm going to let you go first because I, I have some thoughts, but I, I'm looking into some numbers before uh, I, I can formulate those thoughts. So you go ahead.
2: Well, the good news is that if the Blackhawks want to keep Mrazik and money is a thing, which at this point in his like career – Um, You have to he's probably thinking about his last big contract or his Mm -hmm. last payday because he doesn't have a lot of prime years left, um, especially when he has an up and down career. And the Blackhawks can throw a lot of money at him. They have eight billion (laughs) dollars of cap space next season. Roughly speaking. Yeah, roughly. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) um, they're still they're still talking about like reaching cap floor next season as a priority first and foremost. And then, you know, yeah. like, like as a part of the strategy of, of adding players. So the, the Blackhawks could totally prioritize that. I Morazic is interesting. Cause again, he is an up and down goalie. He tends to have like two bad years, a good year, two good years, a bad year. You know, he's not stagnant. So last year he was bad. Um, this year, he is good. Um, <laughs> what will you get next year? Who knows? But <laughs> it's not a bad idea to be like a, a safeguard. Um, you have to hope that Soderblom's issues are age-related. I He's having the same issues he had in the AHL, which is um, sometimes he lets his timing, especially through his body, impact him, and his rebound control, obviously, been talked about a lot. But... Those are things that can hopefully be switched. I don't think Cumesso is anywhere near ready. Um, you, you can just tell when players are green in mm-hmm. pro, like they're getting used to the timing too. Um, he's very positional, but so is Soda So it's it's an interesting it'll it's it'll be interesting to see how this goes because he Camesso is even younger.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
2: there's no there's no rush. Uh, we always remember that Corey Crawford didn't get the starting position until he was what 26? Yeah,
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, he, he marinated for a
2: long time, like so long, yeah. And even Niamh came in at 24 25, right? Like he was old, he was older, um, because that's just how goalies are. So I think if the Blackhawks want to and they could make it enticing to Marazic, I don't think goalies never have as much value as you think. I don't think they'll get. Much more than maybe a third, if that, because even though he's doing well for the Blackhawks, his numbers are still like his his base numbers are still not it's like a sub
0: yeah he's 9, at n- he's at nine oh nine and three o four right now is those t- are both but, better
1: than Georgiev though <laughs> I mean just <laughs> yeah. to put it in perspective, that was one thing I noticed last night. the records yeah. obviously are not, but yeah, yeah.
2: of course, um. Yeah, it's just what what will teams be willing to pay for that, you know? Like there's there's for some reason goalies unless they're elite always have low selling points for some reason. I don't
1: I think know. it's really hard for them to switch. Um, you know, teams, they're such weird creatures of habit and we kind of saw that with Flurry when he went to Minnesota and they ended up re-signing him. But he was playing insane for the Blackhawks that year. And then he went over and it really took him a while. I think it's a comfort thing because you, you said it. Like, How often does it actually work?
2: Who is the goalie, the memory lane, um, in 2020, 2015, right? Um, blues. Brian Elliott is having a pretty good year. He owned the Hawks that year. It was a very interesting thing. And then the Blues went and got another goalie. Miller, Ryan Miller. Yeah, Ryan Miller. Oh, right. Ryan. Miller had such a hard time. He just didn't – he could not play behind the Blues. And I wonder, I wonder all the time if the Blackhawks would have another cup if – the blues had made hadn't made that decision because Brian Miller just didn't gel quick enough um and they talked. he talked about it like there's he just he's his his entire style did not work with them um in quick enough time and then again Elliot that year had owned the Blackhawks um so it's an it's an interesting thing that you point out that like sometimes they just don't gel right away um so yeah that could totally be why but either way I just I'm if the Blackhawks want to get something for him, that's great. I think there's benefit to keeping him. If only because I don't think any of the goalies that they have in system are ready to go. Um, yeah. I think either, or it doesn't really matter. Um, I,
0: yeah. I see. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on this. Cause I, I feel like there is an element of Mrazics had like three or four good seasons and three or four. And then several other seasons that were not as good that, if the Blackhawks decided to sell high while he's having a better season, I, I'm totally here for that. And I, I'm of the mind that you can always – you can find a goalie. Maybe not necessarily a good goalie, but you can find a veteran goalie to play 40 games for the Hawks next season if Peter Morazik's not that guy. Um, and you may not find them in free agency because I was looking at goalies who will be unrestricted free agents next summer, and it's pretty bleak. It's uh, – I mean, half of these guys haven't even pl- – they're not even in the NHL this season. Actually, I take that back. All seven on this list, none of them have, have played an NHL game. But Brian Elliott is on that list, funny enough. Uh, Yarrow Halak, Mike Smith, who I thought he retired. Uh, Aaron Dell, uh, J.F. Berube. Uh, and and that's about it. And then Chris Gibson and John Gillies, who I'm not even sure who those two are. So um, – Where's our boy Stalock? That's – uh, also, a good question. well, maybe he doesn't have a contract or maybe he's under a long term contract that is not uh, in the HL. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very no, easy. I think he signed a yeah. one year with Anaheim. Um, yeah. But then he didn't make the team. So.
0: But my, my I think like if you wanted to work a trade with somebody to go get a veteran goalie to free up some cap space, I mean, go to. I don't know, go to Calgary and get Jacob Markstrom or or uh, I don't know, maybe Washington doesn't need Darcy Kemper anymore, or maybe Florida, hey, here you go. May, maybe Florida's ready to hand off to somebody else. And the Hawks take Sergei Bobrovsky off their, off their hands oh, uh, and just, oh, just God. eat the cap space for him. Like, I, I mean, you know, I, I, there's, I, I'm sure if the Hawks needed to go acquire a goalie for next season to play 40 to 50 games, they can do that. Um, It may not be a good goalie, but it'll be somebody. Uh, Cause next season, like, you know, they're not going to be chasing a cup next season. So they just need a body. If it's Morazic fine. If the Hawks decide to sell high, I feel like that's fine too. Like I don't, I, I don't really have a uh, two strong thoughts yet, but if Morazic keeps playing better and like, it gets to the point where you're talking maybe into like a second round pick or something, or maybe even a late first, if you throw in the third or fourth, like, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I feel like I, I could, I could go either way. Like I don't, and I don't think the rebuild is going to be made or broke made or broken on a Peter Morazic trade, but there you go. Something is definitely to keep an eye on over the rest of the season though. Cause the Hawks, I don't, it doesn't feel like the Hawks have as many tradable pieces as they did uh, last season. Like I, it's, a, I don't think uh, I will there, you know, there's no Tays and Kane to trade potentially. Yeah,
1: so. It's not the same type of value for sure.
0: <laughs> right. Um, The uh, so the Hawks got a few more games before Christmas. They play Montreal on Friday night. I believe that is at home as I'm stalling here so I can pull up the schedule. Yes, they play Friday at home to Montreal. Then Saturday night they are in St. Louis. Then they'll have a few days off for the holiday break. they will come back next Wednesday and host Winnipeg. And then next Friday they're in Dallas. And then New Year's Eve they are also in Dallas. So we get two games in Dallas, back-to-back, am I seeing that correctly? That's – yeah, that appeared – they play Friday the 29th and the New Year's Eve on Sunday night, both games in Dallas. Interesting. Didn't know that that was a thing. So there you go. There's the rest of the schedule for this year. Um, alongside all of that, though, the uh, the World Juniors are going to start up after Christmas. I believe it's in Sweden this year. And uh, there that's something will be fun to keep an eye on because, again, there's – Blackhawks prospects playing in there. There's uh, for Team Canada has no one. There's no one from Team Canada. No Hawks prospects there. No, Ludwinski Ludwinski got got cut. cut. That's right, Paul Ludwinski got cut. Okay, so it's all Team USA. So we're we're Team USA, and we're going all the way.
1: (laughs) And Slovakia.
0: And oh, in Slovakia as well. So for USA, it was Gavin Hayes, Frank Nazer, Sam Renzel and Oliver Moore. And then Slovakia was Adam Gage in the goalie, and who was the other one?
1: Misiak Martin Misiak. You, Martin
0: Misiak Um so there's your 6 Hawks prospects playing in the World Juniors I don't know if any others have been named uh that I've seen so far Um
2: it'll be interesting to see who actually plays though True cuz USA is pretty deep Like it's not their best team they've ever had but they have a lot of older um two year guys going in there So like Nazar is going to be third line Automatically, I think he's he probably has better skill than some of the guys on the second line, but it doesn't matter. Will Moore play? I don't know.
0: I'm sure, like, I think the main player I'm interested in is is Nazer because all the reports coming out of Michigan this year are that he has been playing very, very good uh, for the Wolverines, which is exciting because of uh, this. He lost essentially an entire season to an injury. Um, So it would be pretty neat if he went to a you know the biggest stage he can at the moment, and uh, and and decides to sh- uh, show out over there. Um, That'd be stuff.
2: Yeah, um, just you know, you've expectations. Again, he'll probably be on the third line. Um,
0: okay. So, you know,
2: well, that's- I I always hate when people come out from. It's always you're like, oh, if they have a great showing, that's awesome. We can praise that. But if they have a bad showing that sucks. And he's the worst prospect ever. Like that always comes out of (laughs) these, like until had a not good world juniors last year, he just didn't. And yet, and people were like, that means he can't be the number two pick. Now, now there's like, should it be him or Carlson? And I don't know who's like going to be the better player, but I would never have let that tournament deter me from what I had seen him play over a much larger sample. That seems weird. Um, So yeah, just, Nazar's probably going to be fine, but like he's also going to be in a bottom six role. He's, I think, he's on the second power play unit when they were rotating through stuff, so that's cool. Okay,
0: so, uh, so I, you know, what, while we're here, I have one prospect thought because um, I, I, I wrote about it in our last update that ran uh, earlier this week. I think it went on Monday with all the uh, CHL and USHL prospects, and the, the one name that uh, has been kind of popping up on the internet lately is Nick Lardis. And so he's having a very good season. I, I don't, and 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 that is credit to him. He, he's doing very well. But I feel like there's some. I just like I saw there was a Over-hyping? headline.
2: Of, huh? Overhyping?
0: Yeah. I like I saw one headline like Nick Larter's becoming like steal of the draft. Like that? No, that's that's too much. Like. He's having a very good season. He's a 2023 third round pick, 67th overall. He's got 25 goals and 30 games, uh, up to 37 points. So he's over a point per game pace. Uh, he had a hat trick last week. He's, I think, number two as of uh, as of that writing. He's number two, I think, in the OHL in goals, and he's uh, up on the list on points. But like, this was a third round pick. And he's got 37 points in 30 games, but, like, if you go back to some of the other Hawks prospects who went through the OHL, like, Dabrinkit had had 127 points in 63 games. That's almost two per game. Uh, Even Brandon Sod had 76 and 44 when they were rough uh, – like, the ages didn't work out perfectly, but when they are roughly the same age then that Lardis is now, that's what they did. So it's just – like the was playing with Connor McDavid and Dylan. No, Strong. he was not. He was he not was in not? that season. That okay, season. Actually enough. the number two player on that team. Cause I looked it up was actually Taylor Radish. And I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Oh brother.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brandon side. I don't know who he was playing with on the Saginaw spirit that season, but just, just the overall point here is like, like just, just chill a little bit on, on Nick Lardis. Well,
1: like, I, I did the Lardis article um, okay. after he was drafted and he like, He switched teams last year, and after he switched teams, he, like, exploded. And I think everyone saw it was kind of a fluke. So I think part of the reason anybody's getting overhyped is because people are just dying for somebody else to be good and other things to be excited about. But if you're talking about, like, prospect people, I think that there's something there that people were excited about before the draft. And because he's a smaller guy and because he had a really rough start, to his season last year he got passed over and he dropped a little bit further than I think the the, kind of the overall consensus on him was. So some of it could be a little bit of glad handing and people patting themselves on the back too, to be like, you know, see, we told you like, he's really good. We were right. Um, but I mean, it's, it's still impressive what he's doing, but it's, it's a CHL. Like, you know, (laughs) lots of guys, Taylor Radish lit up the CHL. Lots of guys can light up the CHL. It's a cool story. But I think, you know, the a lot more is going to have to happen before you can really
0: yeah. bank
1: too much on it.
0: Yeah. And like I think he still has another year or two of eligibility for it. But like he didn't even get invited to camp for Canada's World Juniors team. And so like, you know, like he he turned 18 in July. So uh, like uh, I, I think it's you have to be under 21 as of January 1st, I think it is so he could still, you know, in the next year, like he still has another year or two and there's players that are older than him who are playing in the world juniors. But, you know, Connor Bedard was 17 and he was the first line center. That's why that's who Connor Bedard is. So, um, again, we're not expecting Nick Lardis to be Connor Bedard, but I uh, just trying to provide some context for the people, uh, just to, you know, hopefully Nick Lardis scores a hundred goals and shuts me up. And I will happily eat that crow, but just, uh, that, dial that one back a little bit. That's all. See, like I said, we were just going to have some like bask in the glow of the fun game and then I'm ruining it for everyone. I apologize. It's me. It's like, it's the holiday season. I shouldn't be doing the, I'm Every taking
2: party needs a pooper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, how dare you talk about Blackhawks prospects, Dave? How dare you? I'm
0: taking Betsy's role of being the Debbie downer this week. <laughs> oh.
1: You're off the Nick Lardis Express.
0: Yeah. No, you know what? I, I reserve the right to, to hop right back on if, if need be. But just right now, like, you know, take about 20% off their squirrely Dan. All right. I think that's enough hockey talk. Unless anybody else has any other thoughts. Nope. All right. Sounds good. Let's get to our food take so we can get out of here so we can uh, and also reclaim our mantle as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet because we were gone for a week so we've got to obviously need to reclaim our throne. Um I I have a food take. I forgot to ask each of you uh did either one of you have a food take or thought? And obviously with the holiday season upon us, uh that would be the theme there. So uh, did either one of you have a thought before I shout one out? No. Negatory. I'm to take Maybe that I don't know.
2: I don't. I don't have a food take, but I was going to tell people that um, I had a grits casserole for the first time, um, and okay. everybody. Had one. <laughs> I'm like a proponent of grits in general, but I had never had one before, and I was I was skeptical. But grits, try grits first, then start expanding. Try grits okay. first, casserole; they're good.
0: I so, um, absolutely like. Uh, again, when you show up to the Second City Hockey uh, barbecue, Betsy, we will assign you a grits casserole for the group. Thank you. <laughs> um,
2: I'll bring like, a trio of grits. Yeah. You're yeah. like I'm on Pop Chef.
0: A yes.
1: grits platter?
2: Yes. Am I a grits sampler?
0: <laughs> yes. I yeah, And I will gladly eat all of them. No, this actually uh, – this thought came to mind last night during the, uh, during the Hawks game because during one of their – uh, games they were playing in the intermission they were doing like this or that and they were having the crowds cheer uh like one of them was and eric actually we could come back to this in a second it was like the crowd cheered for if they liked hot cocoa or eggnog and uh then I, f- I forget what they did with them but they decided which one was the winner so uh because of all that something happened during that that really bothered me so i'm i'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there gingerbread cookies are the best Christmas cookies and they need to be respected as such. And I think there's not anywhere near enough respect given to gingerbread cookies for how good they are.
2: I think we've had this cookie debate.
0: Uh, See, that's what I was worried. And I forgot to go back and listen to all the old Christmas episodes or pre-Christmas episodes to see if we discussed this before. I don't know if uh, it was
2: specifically holiday related, but yeah, I just I remember we've brought up gingerbread before because I always like gingerbread is great. Snickerdoodle is technically my favorite and can go with any holiday. It's just the most versatile. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. gingerbread men in general are amazing. You yeah. put enough chocolate piping on them. Yeah.
0: I think we've had 141 episodes now. This will be the 141st. So if we've overlapped a little bit, forgive us. Uh, but Eric, you, since I know we we talked a little bit about Christmas cookies last week at our last episode, I should say. Um, but like, what? Where are you lying on the uh, gingerbread is the best?
1: Not a fan. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, you could be wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. No, uh, not ginger in general. Not especially. Not ginger ale. Not uh, gingerbread. My wife loves ginger ale and gingerbread. But it's just that that's like a unique kind of spice blend, that realm of spice, clove, ginger. Uh, that's that's not for me. That's not my jam.
2: All right. Well, you're just going to offer have- yeah, up a different
0: cookie, sir.
1: I believe I did on the Christmas cookie episode that we talked I don't remember. about um,
0: a whole two weeks ago. So, yes,
1: a whole two weeks ago
0: <laughs> or a whole yeah, one no, week ago. If you get us on Apple Podcasts. sorry, was <laughs> there? Like, what's going
1: on? You were there. Um, I don't really like sugar cookies. That was the one that they did was they did sugar cookies, it was sugar. Oh, yeah. cookies. and the
0: crowd went wild for sugar cookies and like was like nobody said anything for gingerbread. And I was like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? Gingerbread I'm cookies gonna, are
1: awesome most sugar cookies suck most of them Ooh, are way yeah. way too dry you
2: know what?
1: they're not yeah. the decorations are like half-assed the only ones i really like this is one of the few occasions where i'll say like the store-bought sugar cookies like the loft house ones the soft ones with the <laughs> icing those are fantastic but that's not what i think of when i think of like a holiday like a christmas sugar cookie yeah i think can- of like a A pale-ass gingerbread man. That's what I'm thinking of.
0: Because you can get those Loft House cookies anytime. I feel like that's almost more of an Easter thing than a Christmas thing, if I'm being honest.
1: Or Valentine's, too. They always have a ton for Valentine's, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess the other one then was the, uh, the eggnog and hot cocoa. Which one would you pick between those two? And...
2: We've also definitely talked about eggnog because
0: I I know. I think we talked about eggnog extensively last year. I just don't like it.
2: Because
0: I I, I think I went out of my way to try it at my uh, Christmas last year. And I think I want to say that my response to it was that I'd only had it as a kid. (laughs) And it's one of those things like I had it as a kid and I didn't like it and I just had it in my head that this was this was a no go for me. And then I try I finally like tried it again as an adult. and was like, all right, maybe nine year old me didn't fully appreciate the flavor of this. Uh, And I enjoyed it. So so well, it's it's
1: weird to a kid too. like here. Here's a big bowl with a ladle in it. Why don't you come (laughs) over here and drink some egg? You're like, what the (laughs) hell are you talking about? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of it's a, not all the time. So you're not exposed to it that much. So it's like just a holiday thing. I mean, we grew up, my dad, that would be, he'd buy like, you know, a quart or like a half gallon or whatever. And we'd have a little bit, and they would actually cut it with milk. Um, and we'd have a little bit like around Christmas and that was kind of it. So it was always like a nice kind of treat thing. And I still do that with my kids, but outside of that, I'm not drinking it, you know, I'm not making it from scratch or anything, and I'm not drinking it on any other occasion than right by Christmas.
2: Well, I always, whenever you, whenever we talk about, like, drinks specifically, I'm always like, who decided that's what they wanted to make, eggnog? You know, they were like, let's take these eggs from this other animal, which is already weird to to think about. <laughs> it was like these things that came out of this animal let's eat them and then now let's make them into a drink of some sort with like milk that comes from another you know like another animal and spices and stuff but i can understand how like wine came to be people were just thirsty and there was some like old grape juice on the ground and they were like i got fucked up from this this is amazing you know (laughs) (laughs) but eggnog like certain drinks i just don't understand
1: Somebody probably messed up a custard, it was sitting on the counter, and somebody accidentally drank it. Or they just designed some mechanism in order to be able to put booze in it, It would be my guess. Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah, I, do, I need to know the origins of drinks. I'm just like, why?
1: There's lots of stuff, yeah. With food in general, where you're like, "Whoever made that?" or like, "Where, where <laughs> how, did that come from?"
0: How did that? Yeah, how was that discovered as an edible thing? And and also like, it's good to eat too. Like that, it tastes good. Who had that thought? Yeah.
2: yeah. Give a stick huh? it in my mouth now. Like that's like how most foods were made. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Musings on Madison. Um, first off, I want to thank Eric and Betsy for hanging out this evening. It's also been a pleasure talking with you, both of you all this year and Mil. Um, It's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to do even more of it in 2024. So uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you two, to everyone listening. Uh, however you're celebrating upcoming, uh, whether it's Christmas, or I think Hanukkah just wrapped up last day or two. Um, I hope that was good if that's what you celebrate. If there's another holiday you celebrate, uh, I hope you enjoy it. If you're – I think Mills uh, Mills Family does Orthodox Christmas. So if you've still got two weeks of the Christmas season left, hope you enjoy it as well. Just whatever you have uh, on your schedule coming up in the next few days, we hope it's a good time. Whatever it is that you decide to do, and uh, we will look forward to seeing – being back here uh, and 2024 talking about wherever it is the Blackhawks take us from here um, probably not too high in the standings but maybe uh, a few more nights like the one we got on Tuesday night against the Avalanche are in order um, so again thank you very much for listening a very sincere happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone who's listening to this and uh we will talk to you next year see you later